It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson. Are you ready to get real, break through, and learn how to make your midlife the best time of your life? Take on those life challenges and turn them into opportunities? Let's rock. Here's Dr. Ellen. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife. I am so excited to be here. A little bit nervous. This is my first time being a radio show host in uh, over 20 years. I have like dreamed about this moment. So I'm so excited that you are here. Thank you for watching. This is where we get real, help you discover who you are and give you the tools you need to navigate your life. And this is my first episode. A lot of mixed emotions. Definitely getting off my fear potty, getting in front of the microphone, some fear, a little anxiety, but also, you know, along with that vulnerability piece of being real with you guys is excitement and joy because honestly, midlife can be such an incredible time of life. And that would, that is what the show is going to be all about, all about helping you to rock your midlife. So here's what you can expect. Life changing information, amazing guests who will inspire you and inform you and give you incredible tools to make the most of your amazing next chapter. Like this week's amazing guests. We have two guests today. First, we have sought after expert on mindfulness, transformational thinking and self-discovery. And she's going to share how you can feed your spirit, open yourself to a sense of oneness and transcend your limited beliefs and thoughts. And she is Aura Nadrich. She'll be with us in a moment. She's written this amazing book called Mindfulness and Mysticism, which I have been diving into. So I can't wait to, to uh, have a juicy conversation with her. And then we are going to talk to cross-culture kid, U.S. Army veteran and adventure sports brand ambassador, who's going to inspire you with her amazing story of how she transformed her life and went from using a walker and a service dog to being a sponsored athlete by learning to, get this, white water kayak. So I can't wait to speak with Annette. She's going to be amazing and I'm sure she is going to really help you to face whatever you're facing. And let's face it, we are facing a lot right now can feel like you're in a crucible, particularly at midlife. You know, we midlife women, we influence up to four generations. We've got grandkids, we've got kids, we've got our peers, we've got our, you know, our parents and we're feeling a lot right now. And at midlife, it can be tough to transform because we'll talk a lot about neuroscience on the show, but you know, your brain isn't interested in you rocking your midlife enjoying your life, your brain wants you to stay safe. So it's hard to step out of your comfort zone. Your brain wants you to stay small. So we're going to help you really face your fears, get real. And I am here to validate you and your struggles, encourage you to listen to that voice in your head that's telling you, go for your dreams. And this is such a great time to do that too, because it's springtime here in the Northeast. It is an amazing time to start to think about who do you really want to be? What did you incarnate to be at this moment? Where are your dreams? What difference do you want to make in the world? And I love this quote from the Dalai Lama that I think is so true that the Western world will be saved by, no, sorry, the world will be saved by Western women. 
And I think those of us who are Western women who are listening, we are here to make a huge difference. So I'm here to inspire you and help you with that. But, you know, I know how hard it can be. You know, when I was looking at 40, my life went through such a huge change. I was so stuck. I had just finished a radio and media career with my ex-husband. We were the cooking couple in the 90s. We were celebrity chefs. We left the radio career and I didn't know what to do. And on top of that, I had two small children. I had clinical depression. Uh, my marriage was tough um, and I got through it. And then when I was looking at 50, I decided to leave my marriage. So I went through divorce. I had a major health crisis. I went blind three times. So I know what it's like, women. I know how tough this can be. And the thing is that, you know, at midlife, it's really challenging. We are facing multiple stressors. We've got these changing family relationships. I don't have grandkids yet. If my kids are listening, I hope you guys are listening. I've no grandkids yet, but you know, I've got kids in their twenties together with my fiance. We've got five kids. I've got my elderly parents. I've got all my friends and these relationships are changing and that's really stressful. We've got this crazy world situation, which is incredibly stressful. It's really hard. I know yesterday I was feeling like it was really hard to deal, that sense of overwhelm, especially if you are empathetic, you care deeply about the world. It's really can be tough, um, you know, and we're trying to rediscover ourselves. And, you know, we've got this thing up against us called culture, which says that it's all downhill after 50. If you Google midlife, it is conjoined with crisis. You put it in the dictionary and uh, what comes up is the wrong side of 40. And so we need to change that. And so this show is going to be all about rebranding midlife to really think about how to make it the most amazing time of your life. It's really a gateway to your second adulthood. Um, and that, you know, the transformation can be messy. It's definitely um, caterpillar to butterfly when the uh, caterpillar becomes the butterfly it gets really gooey. It literally excretes this acidic goo. It digests itself. Its DNA stays the same, but, and then when it gets to be that butterfly to get out of the chrysalis, it's got to fight. So, you know, midlife, it's tough. You know, we've got resources. Maybe we don't have enough. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're facing, you know, menopause or a health challenge. There's a lot to deal with, but I promise you, if you are able to get a little uncomfortable, you know, get outside your comfort zone and do, um, do some things to change. It really starts with knowing yourself, with loving yourself. That was the key step for me that changed everything, learning self-compassion, learning to love myself, energizing yourself, taking care of your body, taking time for self-care, making yourself a priority. You need to reprogram your mind, change your stories. You need to empower yourself, rehab your relationships and enlighten yourself. And today we'll be touching on some of these topics. But you know, one of the things that you can start right now is change your stories. Because when you change your stories, the stories that you tell yourself day in and day out, you really will change your life. So let me give you an example of the stories that we can tell ourselves and how they can transform us when we transform them. You know, when I was a kid, my dad hated dandelions. 
He would mow them over with his ride-on tractor. He would pull them out with his fishtail weeder. He would poison them with weed killer. And no matter what he did, they just kept popping back up. And when he wasn't looking, I would <laughs> weave them into my hair. I would make bouquets for my teacher. I would blow the puffballs and I would make wishes. But then what happened was when I became an adult, you know, I had a lawn and I had those damn dandelions and I grew to absolutely hate them. And I would mow over them. I would yank them out with my weeder. I would poison them. And when my kids were toddlers, I would scream at them for pulling them out and making wishes. And then, you know, I moved out to this amazing place where I live. I live on a, a beautiful island um, in Lake Champlain in Vermont and dandelions are everywhere. I live on 10 acres with my incredible partner, Ken. Um, and basically we have 240 million seeds of dandelions per an acre. So that's 2.4 billion potential dandelions. So when I moved out here, I changed my story. I realized that dandelions are amazing. They are beautiful flowers. They are incredibly nutritious. They're the first foods for bees and birds, and they actually break up the soil and they make it possible for other plants to grow and thrive. Our ancestors, our first settlers here in North America actually brought them over because every part is useful. They can make, they're great for food, medicine. You can even make dandelion wine. And so I'm learning to embrace and love this amazing plant. It's very useful. And that's kind of the way that I look at the weeds in our lives, you know, when we have obstacles, when we are facing things, when we are really having trouble moving forward in our lives, it's those weeds, right? Those weeds are what really are here to teach us. Those weeds are like wisdom plants that we need to take a look at and, and breathe and be mindful around what we're going through. So we need to realize that weeds are really useful. The second thing is midlife, you know, it's such a powerful time to rediscover your magic. And there is something so magical about that dandelion in that, you know, full form where we blow on it. Each dandelion makes 174 seeds. It's this perfect geometrical shape and we can make wishes. And on the show, we'll talk a lot about dreaming big and using tools like the law of attraction to really make your dreams a reality because it all really starts with your thoughts and really believing in yourself and really doing what's necessary to create a beautiful life and to make the world a better place. So bringing back that magic, that's what I learned when I look at dandelions. And then the last thing is, I'd like us to think about the dandelion as a new metaphor for midlife, particularly that third stage, right? Where we can let our hair go silver, where we can be so incredibly fertile and prolific. We don't, sure, we, we aren't having kids anymore. And I think for me personally, that's a good thing. I have no desire to procreate right now. Um, but, you know, I'm really at a very fertile point in my life. And I think we replace this um, as we're going through menopause, kind of things really open up and we can be so fertile. We can scatter our seeds for miles. We can really make a difference in the world. So I encourage you to, to chat challenge yourself and to change your stories and to start to really um, look at your thoughts. You know, we have something like 6,000 thoughts every single day. Some of them are positive, 
some are negative, some are neutral. I think these days it's really easy to have a lot of negative thoughts, particularly if you are looking at mainstream media, which is all about if it bleeds, it leads, it wants to draw us into this fear. And so we have a choice of what we want to do with those thoughts. Um, you know, and we actually have this default mode network that runs down the middle of our brain that's constantly scanning our environment for what is wrong in our life rather than what's right. And the thing is that we can turn it off. We can turn off that default mode with something called mindfulness. And instead of busily looking for answers outside of ourselves and relying on distractions and stimulants and materialism, and other external influences that we believe will bring us meaning and somehow help distract us from the difficult emotions that we are experiencing, we have the ability to become awake, to become more aware, to become present and mindful. And really mindfulness, practicing it on a day-to-day -day basis will really help to rein in these thoughts, help us to stay focused and present and we can really steady our busy mind. And our next guest, who I am so delighted to bring on the show, is Aura Nadrich. She's really here to help us out. She is a pioneering mindfulness expert. She's an international keynote speaker and coach. And she's the founder and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking. And she's here to share her wisdom and talk about her beautiful new book. So if you're, you're watching, I have it here. I have been so enjoying its two color and it's just you can read it from cover to cover or you can open it up it has beautiful quotes nuggets of wisdom and it will really help you to be more mindful and really touch the divine within yourself so welcome to the show or i am just so excited that you are my first guest on rock your midlife Wow. Thank you so much, Ellen. How exciting. Thank you for having me. And I'm so happy to be your first guest. I have to say, and I love if people are watching your necklace, your whole aura is amazing. <laughs> um, and your name, everything. I just love Aww. your presence. And it's just so lovely to have you here. So I'm curious, how did you find mindfulness? You know, um, we found each other. But really what's interesting, the more I'm asked that question, you know, there, there was a time where I was asked that question a lot and I would go really to talk about the trajectory of how I went into the wellness field and really discovered the mindfulness practice. And that was a game changer for me. But what I want to add to that is that I think back to when I was a little girl and when I was a little girl, I used to love to lay out in an open field of grass and look up at the sky and watch the clouds moving across them. Because it fascinated me that you could look up at the clouds and literally as slowly as they were moving, if you look down and you looked up, that one cloud that you were focused on was gone. And I think back to how much joy that gave me. And children are very present anyway. They really are very easily in the present moment. So there I was, very present, loving the very thing that is talked about in meditation today where thoughts are like clouds moving across the sky. They don't stay in the same place, meaning that our thoughts don't attach onto us. We attach onto our thoughts. We hold on to our thoughts. So that's a wonderful metaphor about using clouds. And that's very integral to the mindfulness practice. It all really very synergistically happened for me. It was a series of events coupled with what I think is my true authentic nature, as I just described, 
then I came along different modalities in the wellness field. I was a meditator for many, many years. I had studied transcendental meditation. Then I went into so many different learnings and teachings in the wellness field, found mindfulness, resonated to it deeply, became certified as a mindfulness meditation practitioner. And now I'm teaching and writing and you know, doing workshops and everything I possibly can do to shine the light of mindfulness onto the world. That's how much I love it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I love what you said about it found you. And that was kind of how self-compassion found me. I was looking for a dissertation topic and uh, my, 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 my mentor said I should teach people meditation. And then I was found Kristen Neff. And so it is, it's so interesting. I think that's so true at midlife you know, with, when we open up to what we need, it finds us. Absolutely. And, you know, just hearing the, your introduction, which there were so many points that you, you touched upon that I really can relate to. You know, when I wrote my first book, I too was a mother. I had two small children, you know, talk about reinventing yourself, you know, and you look back at your life at the different trajectories of where you were at. I was an actress for 10 years in my twenties. I became a writer. You know, you never know where your, your life path is going to take you. And then you find yourself one day doing something that is so um, resonant to your heart and soul, but you're a changed woman at that point. You're not the same person you were when you were at the beginning of your life journey, obviously. And what's beautiful is that you could change that at any time and at any age. Yeah, but the cool thing is to just like caterpillar to butterfly, your DNA stays the same. So there's a sort of eternal part of you, that observer that you can tap into that stays the same as you start to change, you know, how you are showing up, what you're doing in the world. So for people who are new to this idea of mindfulness, how do you define mindfulness? And can you share a couple of tips from your amazing book of how people can start practicing mindfulness? Mindfulness, really the essence of mindfulness, that it is the practice of being present. So what does that really mean? That means that, you know, there's a study out of Harvard that says that our mind wanders almost 50% of the time. Well, where does it go? Where is our mind usually? Okay, well, I can tell you that it's either in the past, which has come and gone. The past is no longer here. So what we do is we lament, we ruminate, we wish things had been different and we're going over it in our mind when in fact that time no longer exists or we're anticipating the future oftentimes with anxiety or dread, do you know? And where we have the hardest time being is in the present, do you know? Which is why mindfulness is such an invaluable practice because what it does, it becomes, it helps you become aware of where you are in the moment. Are you distracted? Are you thinking about what you're going to do later or what you're going to have for dinner? Are you talking to somebody and you're only half listening to them because you're thinking about what happened yesterday? We are very distracted human beings, you know? So where the mindfulness practice comes in is it's really starting a daily practice of having an awareness of where am I right now? Where am I in this moment? I'm here in this moment with you, Ellen. We're having this interview. We're having this conversation. I'm not thinking about anything else. But we know that, again, the mind wanders. So a great way to begin a mindfulness practice is to be aware of the thoughts, feelings, and sensations that you're having in the moment right now. Am I distracted? If I'm distracted, how am I feeling? What am I feeling? Why am I feeling what I'm feeling? 
Why is it hard for me to be in this moment? Why do I want to get out of this moment? Why do I feel that another moment is more, going to be better than the moment that I'm in right now? If we're already always chasing the moment, you know, I have in my book, Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity, the book before Mindfulness and Mysticism, I, I really categorize three types of people, if you will. It doesn't, you know, make up for all that we are, but that in the in relation to mindfulness, I say you're either a past dweller, can people relate to that they're always thinking about the past, or they're a future chaser, they're always, you know, the next moment's going to be better, and the next moment's going to be better, or are you a present experiencer? Are you someone who's in the present moment and really fully experiencing what you're experiencing? So those three categories are super helpful for somebody to start their day and go, hey, wait a minute, yeah, I tend to dwell a lot in the past. Let me bring myself into the present moment when I'm starting to slip out of the moment, gently bring myself in the moment to go be, be in this moment right now. This moment is enough. Or if I'm anticipating the future with anxiety, let me bring myself into the present moment by saying the future isn't here yet. Let me enjoy the moment of now. Yeah, that's so important. And I think particularly, you know, in the context of midlife where so many women, you know, when they first come to me, they feel like, I, my, the best is, is behind me. You know, I, they're, they're looking behind them and they're saying, my gosh, my best years, you know, what happened to them? And I think that's part of what, you know, our culture says to midlife women is that you're washed up. It's done. You know, you're not youthful anymore. You know, you're, you're not relevant. And I think that we're, you are kind of fighting back and saying, yeah, no, we're here. And I think being present, it's so important too, that to be present because if we're focusing, you know, on what isn't working, didn't work in the past, or just focusing on either fear in the future, that's affecting our present reality. And our present reality is the only time we have. Absolutely. I say that's the time we're most alive in because we're in it right now. And when you talk about, you know, the inner critic or women, you know, in their midlife saying, oh, I used to be so much, you know, thinner. Oh, I used to be in such better shape. Oh, I was, you know, my body worked better be aware, be mindful of the thoughts that occupy your mind. Be aware of, are you constantly undermining yourself? Are you constantly crit critiquing yourself, thinking that the past, again, that's ruminating or being, you know, sort of lamenting the past. How is that affecting you right now? How do you really embrace yourself? How do you support yourself? How do you nurture yourself now by not comparing yourself to who you once were? you said your DNA is the same, but we go through these beautiful transformations as women. We must celebrate ourselves. We must support ourselves. And we must, as I say, fill the well. I use that metaphor that we as women are very nurturing. We're giving. We, we're constantly, you know, we're mothers, sisters, wives. We are the healers, the lovers, the, the medicine women. There's so many things that we do. How much are you giving out and are you depleted? And how much are you filling your own personal well by nurturing yourself, by self-care? Do you know, are, did you take that bath and light those candles and put the essential oils in your bath? Did you take that mindful walk today? You know, what are the things that you can do that are about self-care as a midlife woman and not let it steal the valuable, beautiful moments that you can have right now by comparing yourself to when you were younger. It's a complete waste of time. Yeah, so in two points I wanna pick up on, the self-care is so important. One of the things I see with people I work with, women I talk to at Midlife is they feel guilty when they care for themselves because 
we've been taught to put everybody else first, but you can't give from an empty cup. So if you're listening, you need to give from your overflow. When you fill yourself up first, when you put yourself first, then you have so much energy to give. And I love too what you said about comparing yourself and also comparing yourself to other women. I think we're at a really beautiful time where we're all about collaboration not comparison. Like I'm not comparing Annette who's still here watching too. And I'm not comparing myself to you or anyone else, but we can all be the person that we are supposed to be. So we have a, a few more moments and we'll all bring you back after the break. But I want to talk a little bit about this idea of, you know, mysticism and divinity and being a light worker. And I'm just it, quickly, and then we'll bring it back after the break. Um, how does mindfulness help us connect with the divine and with being a light worker? How does it fuel all of that sort of ability? And you talk about the book beautifully about supernatural, that we can be supernatural and that connecting with mindfulness and having a mindfulness practice can help us. Absolutely. You know, mindfulness as the practicing um, daily practice of mindfulness, if you will, what I notice on my mindfulness practice is that the moments of my life became richer. And as they became richer, I was able to really feel the states of awareness that felt very magical to me. And that's why I explored mysticism, which really is accessing the divine, whether it's the divine that you define outside of yourself, be it God, you know, God presence, unity, consciousness, the absolute, whatever that defi is defined for you, that feeling that maybe is invisible in its, its its image, but that you connect to something that feels higher, that feels more sacred and more holy. Mindfulness, when you practice mindfulness, I say it's the gift that keeps on giving, you start to see that the more present you are, the more aware you are. The more aware you are, the more you see, the more you notice, the more you're able to, to let things in that give you these extraordinary states of awareness, consciousness, feeling, it, it feels very divine. That's that that We will pick it up after the break. Hey, you are listening to Rock Your Midlife. I am talking to Aura Nadrich. And after the break, we're also going to be joined by Antoinette Lee Toscano. We're going to be talking about her great transformation, more on mindfulness and mysticism. Hey, if you want to get in touch with me, please check out my website, drellenalbertson.com or themidlifewhisperer.com. You can connect with me there. You can follow me on Instagram at The Midlife Whisperer and learn more about my books and all my other offerings. And we will be right back off after the break with more amazing information that you can use to help you rock your midlife. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. 
If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Rock Your Midlife with Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Have a question for Dr. Ellen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Welcome back and thank you for joining us. Hey, if you want to get in touch with me, the best place is themidlifewhisperer.com. I have a special free gift, 10 tips to help you rock your midlife. You can also connect with me on Instagram at the Midlife Whisperer. So we have been talking with Aura Nadrich. If am I pronouncing your name right? Nadrich. Nadrich, yes. Nadrich, Nadrich. About yeah. her amazing book, which is Mindfulness and Mysticism. I highly recommend it. And just, it's such a beautiful book. You must have, I know I just finished my book, Rock Your Midlife, which came out in November. It must have been such an amazing experience to see it for the first time. It's a lot like giving birth. What was that experience like for you? Because it is a, it's a beautiful book. Thank you. You know, it's, it's my third book and I really wanted to go into just a different sort of angle on it and make it more of a visual book. So uh, my designer and I worked together on that and um, I, I, I'm very proud of it. I feel it came out exactly as we had intended it to. And, you know, you read a lot of books and it's just a lot of words to paper and a lot of what I was writing about felt very visual to me. So I certainly tried with, with Dimitri and I, we tried to do as much as we could to make the visual um, companion to the book, if you will. So I'm so glad that you appreciate the the visual uh, aspect of it. Yeah, I love it. And I actually really like your social. I've been following you on Instagram and you, you have some wonderful um, reels that you've been getting into. I'm curious, what's your experience like on Instagram? Are you finding that you feel authentic? I know a lot of um, people who are spiritually oriented sometimes kind of feel a little awkward getting on and kind of being part of that, the culture that is Instagram. I think, you know, I, I've been on it for a while and I actually have a couple of pages on Instagram. I don't know if you know that. I mean, I think you follow my personal Instagram, but I also have my business Instagram, which is aura underscore the IFTT. Um, and I, I really enjoy it. You know, I have to say I use Instagram more than I use Facebook at this point. I really like it. It just, there's a lot of things you can do that is is fun and it's I don't know it has this kind of lightness to it um so I'm I'm enjoying it 
I, I have to say, I do like it. And I think if you're new to Instagram, I think the more you use it, the more you learn different things you can do, like do reels or, you know, share videos or whatever. There's just a lot of things you can do on it that you see a lot of people doing, and it's a great way to communicate. Well, it, it definitely shows. So I have one final question for you about why is um, connecting with the divine and mysticism and mindfulness so important right now? I mean, you know, clearly we're going through so many difficult times with what's going on in Ukraine, with what's going on in the planet, with what's going on in the economy. We're finally getting over COVID, hopefully, and we're trying to take a breath. But how can mindfulness and connecting with the divine and mysticism serve us now? You know, when I wrote Mindfulness and Mysticism, I had no idea what was coming, obviously. But it's interesting. It was very... Um, what's the word, uh, omniscient, if that's the word, where so much of what's in the book really applies to today. And I think for anybody that reads the book can really relate to that. Uh, this has been an incredibly challenging two years for all of us. You know, th these are unprecedented times that we're in. So what I propose in a Mindfulness and Mysticism is not only really bringing the reader on the journey of mindfulness and how it helps, it's so beneficial to be a more present human being, the more present you are, the more aware you are, the more aware you are, the more conscious you are. Well, I think we could learn a lot from that and it would help us if the world was more conscious right now, we probably wouldn't have as many wars and conflicts and hatred and racism and all the terrible things that we're constantly having to fight against. And mysticism really is introducing the reader. I wanted to bring the whole concept of mysticism into the 21st century and not make it so unavailable or esoteric, like what's that? I'm talking about it in a non-religious context about bringing more spirituality, about connecting to your purpose, connecting to what I call is the divine, holy or sacred. What holds great meaning for your life? And I think, again, it connects us to something that holds greater meaning for us at a time when churches, temples, and mosques were closed and people had nowhere to go for a place of worship. Well, I say, you know, there's this beautiful Rumi quote, I'll leave you with this. Um, I visited churches, mosques, and temples, and I found the divine within. Do you know, there's nothing wrong with going to these places of worship and connecting, but what happens when you leave them? Do you stop connecting to the divine? No, the divine, you can connect to the divine anywhere at any time. Yeah, that is so powerful because I really think that the biggest problem for humanity is that we don't see the divinity in everyone and everything. And if we can see the divinity in ourselves, if we can see the divinity in each other, in the plants, in the animals, and, and we're not looking to, you know, pillage and conquer to get whatever, we can feel content and everybody would be at peace. We all really work on the mindfulness, the peace from within. That's really where it all starts. So yeah. thank you so and much I for sharing. Just, I also just wanted to slip in really quickly, Ellen, that I believe this is a time of a great spiritual awakening. It is, it is. And I think we are, we all decided to be here for a reason. And we are all, you know, you, you get to decide, am I going to be part of the solution? Am I going to just stay on my fear potty and do nothing? Or am I going to be part of the problem? And, you know, we all can make decisions with how we spend our dollars, the foods that we eat, the prayers that we make and how we work on ourselves. So thank you so much for sharing. Well, you're going to stick around. And now I am so, yeah. and actually Antoinette, our next guest, Antoinette Lee, Toscano is going to have a question for you, but let me introduce Antoinette because I am so excited to get to know this amazing woman. She is an American adult cross-cultural kid. She is a third cultural adult. She's American by birth with Nigerian, Irish, Irish, indigenous, Arawak, Ashkenazi, Jewish, and Chinese ancestry. 
And she's also an 11 year United States Army veteran. And seven years ago, she was debilitated by a traumatic brain injury and a spinal cord injury resulting from her military service. And at the time she was using a walker, she had a service dog and a full time caregiver. Today, she's rocking it. She is 54 years old and she is a sponsored adventure sports athlete. Um, who's often mistaken for millennial. If you can see what she looks like, she looks 35, as she told me. She has recovered. She's reversed lupus. She's improved her kidney and gallbladder function. She's reduced her high cholesterol, her blood pressure, her, um, her migraines, and she's managing these chronic conditions. How? This is what I love. Okay. White water kayaking. She transformed her life kayaking. And today she is an all-around adventure sportswoman and sponsored athlete. And she's going to tell us all about how she created a new normal and she's living a big, huge life and how we can all envision this new normal. So welcome, Antoinette. It is so good to, to have you here. Thank you, Dr. Ellen. I'm super excited to be here and have this chat. And Aura, I have a burning question for you. Oh, wonderful. Hi, Antoinette. Pleasure to meet you. I've, I've loved this discussion so much. When people are first starting a mindfulness practice, or if they've been practicing mindfulness for over a decade, like I have, sometimes you can really beat yourself up when you're trying to extend your practice past five minutes up to an hour or longer, and you start to get down on yourself. Why can't I be better at this? Why does my brain continue to swing from branch to branch instead of sitting quietly here under this tree, right? Um, what tips do you have for being gentle with yourself in that moment when you're feeling frustrated that your practice is not evolving the way you'd like? That's such a great question, Antoinette. Here's what I also wanna say mindfulness is. Mindfulness is being in the present moment with total awareness, self-acceptance, compassion, and here's the real thing, self-love. You know, I didn't give you the whole uh, description of that, Ellen, but that really is the, the, the definition of mindfulness. So what do you have? Self-love, acceptance, and compassion. So you're really taking a very big step when you start to practice mindfulness because you're wanting to be a more aware, conscious human being. Where do you feel you need to be critical of yourself when in fact, this is about self-love and compassion? So the awareness of our thoughts is very important. If a thought comes up, I'm not good enough, I'm not doing this enough, you know, you know the inner critic, we all have one, right? And I want to say the way you describe the mind goes from branch to branch. There's a Buddhist saying called monkey mind. The mind is like the monkey mind. So what do we see with a monkey? A monkey goes from branch to branch to branch and isn't very still. The mind is like that. It's like a troublemaker. So we need to master our thoughts. And when a thought comes up that says, I'm not this enough or I'm not that enough, what I suggest is I have something called the says who uh, method, which was my first book. And I don't want to go into a whole thing about that, which is really questioning the thoughts that you have. And I have a, a technique called the release and replace technique. So if a thought comes up that's negative and undermining and sabotaging and does not support your well-being, I want you to replace that negative thought with its positive counterpart. So if it comes up at any given moment and it will, I'm not this enough, 
say to yourself, how can I replace that thought with something that's supportive right now? What thought is going to help me right now? What thought is going to be useful to me right now? What thought is going to be supportive of my well-being right now? Very powerful. Thank you for that. And that is beautiful to say, too, that um, compassion and mindfulness are two wings of the bird. We need both of them. And you know, one of the most compassionate things you can do for yourself is to practice mindfulness because it gets you out of that crazy monkey mind where you're ruminating and, you know, uh, being compassionate and loving yourself is something that we all can work on and not, not doing it out of self-criticism, but doing it from self-love. So let me talk a little bit about your story. Cause I am dying to hear this. Um, I guess my first question is, is what happened? How did you find yourself? And I know you were 200 pounds. You were totally out of shape. Tell me a little bit how you got to this place of, you know, basically it sounds like you hit rock bottom. Yes, sure. So I had been a competitive power lifter and bodybuilder and someone my entire life, I've been very health conscious and I don't want to go too deep into what happened because my literary agent will kill me <laughs> because I have a book coming out next spring, um, four hours to live. So that tells you that I went through something huge. Um, actually several things, very life-changing, but uh, I had an accident and um, I sustained a traumatic brain injury, a spinal cord injury, and later the treatment, the Western style medical treatment for those issues created other health crises. And I found myself eventually pretty much unable to walk without assistance or take care of myself. I was stopping breathing every 45 seconds. And um, it was just a really difficult time. And mindfulness was my first step to envisioning myself as someone who can't care for herself, but that I could be a whitewater kayaker and an all around adventure sportswoman. So when did that moment hit you that you, you know, how did you get from not being able to walk to I'm going to white water raft kayak, white, white water kayak? How did you make that bridge and just get started? I actually thought I was going to die before doctors could figure out a diagnosis and a treatment plan. And one day I was just laying in my bed in the middle of the day. It was dark. My service dog looked so concerned. She looked like, I don't know what to do for you, but I'm really worried about you. And I felt like I was dying. I felt like I was leaving my body and I just sat in gratitude. I was grateful for having experienced love. I've been loved, I've given loved, I've made my mark on the world. I've done good things. I've had a successful career as a chief executive officer in, in the IT industry and a successful military career. And I was just, accepting that I was moving, transitioning into my next existence, whatever that was going to be. And that was the first shift. And I really didn't expect to live much longer. I thought within a few months, I'd probably would transition to my next existence. And um, within hours of that acceptance, I started to feel a little better. And I was able to have my first real meal, which consisted of a full cup of broth, chicken broth, and a full cup of water. That's the first time I had anything more than sips in months. And I was literally wasting away. 
And I was able to handle that food. And the next morning I woke up and I had a slight bit more energy and then a little more and a little more. And within a month, I was in a whitewater kayak for the first time, service dog, walker and caregiver in tow. And seven years later, I've attended mountaineering school. I've summited several peaks. I've attempted the Grand Teton (laughs) and more. Where did that idea pop into your head though? To, you know, I, I love these, you know, divine downloads that sort of come to you. When did this come to you? Like I should go and get in a kayak. Well, I like to tell everyone I was born wild and my family tried to tame it out of me because their identity of the successful, you know, the huxtable image <laughs> of black um, parents was that your daughter should daughters and sons should be a certain thing and do a certain thing. And so they were very attached to that image of me being an NBA and a CEO, but I felt wild. I felt like I was meant to be an adventure sports person. I was meant to be an explorer and adventurer my entire life, but I didn't reclaim my agency or claim my agency for the first time until I was over 40. Wow. And and so tell us a little bit more about how kayaking transformed you? Well, when you have a disability, my disability is hidden. I lose vision at times. I sometimes can go within the same week, can go from being strong and active and and hiking with a a 50 pound pack on my back for four or five, six hours a day. And then two days later, I can be so debilitated that I can't get out of bed. And and I have these episodes, doctors can't figure out what causes them, but it's just what I have to live with, or I might lose vision suddenly um, because of ocular migraines. And so I just thought, well, I'll start this kayaking. It'll give me something to do. I'll get stronger, I'll lose some weight. But once I got in that boat, and I was riding the rivers back. You know, you're running through the rapids, but you're riding the rivers back. I felt free. I felt empowered. I felt capable of doing anything. And from there, I thought, well, what's my next adventure? What's the next thing I'm going to do? Because that was inside of me. The adventurer, the explorer is inside of me. And I had all of the things innately just inside my body to be able to do these adventurous activities and and go on expeditions and lead other formerly marginalized people out into the outdoors for the first time to connect, reconnect, or deepen their connection to nature. So it's been just an amazing journey to be able to offer that to other people. Yeah, it is. That is really amazing, and it is so important that you know kind of being outdoor adventurer is we're expanding it and making it more inclusive and people are realizing how empowering it is. And also just being in nature is just so incredibly empowering. It sounds like it's to, to tie in with what Aura was saying, incredibly mindful. I know that when I am like out hiking out in nature, I'm really, really connected. So I'm very curious about this process that you have called the new normal big life process. Can you tell us what that is? Well, the day after I started to feel better for the first time in many, many months, I sat down with my journals and I had stacks of them. I'm, I'm a writer, so I like to write. And so I had stacks of journals and I went through my journals 
And before I tell you about that process, I, I had the thought in my head that today I am creating my new normal. My old life is never coming back to me. It's never going to be the same. How will my new normal look? Who will I be? Who will be in my life? And um, I just went through the process of being clear on who I am, what I want, what makes me happy, what would give me unconditional happiness in my life. Because unconditional happiness is not something you find, it's within you. But society teaches that we have to reach for it and grab it. It already exists. We just have to be aware of it. And you become aware of it, of it through mindfulness. Once I was clear about who I am and how I wanted to show up in the world, the next step was identifying what would I do if I didn't have to worry about what my parents would think or my peers or the company I work for or used to work for by that point um, or my partner or, you know, because husbands are kind of like, I see you in this way and I don't want you to change. It makes me uncomfortable, right? Um, I didn't consider those things. I thought if I only had to please me, what would I do? Who would I be? And the exact person that I wrote about that day and the exact life, including where I live, is the life I live now. And it's, it's so incredible that it took a very short time to achieve this, including living on this beautiful country road where the country road meets the paved road and the view, a view of the Rocky Mountains, a lake and a cattle ranch. My neighbors are, are cows and horses. I envisioned that lying in my sickbed the day after, and I live it now, including my partner. Um, he's an amazing all around outdoorsman who was looking for a woman just like me, and we found each other down by the river. <laughs> well, that's an amazing story. So for the women who are watching, I just saw why I was so excited to have you on. And my story is kind of similar too, of just saying, you know what, who the heck do I want to be? And you're such an inspirational woman to say, this is who I wanted to be. And I envisioned it and I didn't give a shit about what anybody was going to say or do. This is my life. I'm going to make it happen. And that is such an important thing to get off the fear potty and make it happen. So we have a few more minutes. Aura, do you have a question for Antoinette? Well, Antoinette, your story is nothing short of extraordinary. And, you know, what comes to mind for me hearing your story is that the thoughts that occupied your mind that got you to where you are today, what really won out were the thoughts that told you you could do this. Because it just goes to show you that when we give into the negative and fear-based thoughts, we really can't manifest what we want. And even though they may came up, they might come up, we have to say to ourselves, thank you very much thought, but you hold no purpose, useful purpose for me whatsoever. So whatever occupied your mind, even though I'm sure you experienced some real, you know, dark nights of the soul, I'm sure that was a very painful, difficult journey to be on. But what I observe of you is that you must have had such clear thinking belief to keep yourself, the tenacity, the belief to keep yourself going. So it's not so much a question as, as it is an acknowledgement of this extraordinary journey and, and the trajectory and where you took yourself is an example to your listeners of how when you really are mindfully aware of the thoughts that are really helping you, those are the thoughts that are going to win and get you to exactly where you want to be. And Absolutely. And those thoughts, the power. And in the adoption process, um, I identified as Jewish 
and I didn't know this. Even my parents who are black also said, you're black, you know, you're black, right? You have to stop hanging out with the Rabinowitzes and, and sitting Shiva because they're not your family. And I, and I was like, mommy, I'm sure I'm Jewish. And they're like, well, yeah, to- no, but I am. We are ladies, we are out of time. This has been a total delight. And I thank everyone who has been listening. You guys have made my day. I came on not knowing what to expect on this first show. And just, I so appreciate both of you showing up as yourselves. Real quickly, website, or where can people find you? And the book Aura, is- thank you, first of all, Ellen, for having me. It was great. Love doing your first episode with you. Auranadrich.com. Auranadrich.com. And Antoinette, where can people connect with you? All of my handles, website, Instagram, and Facebook is Antoinette with an O, the French way, Antoinette Lee Toscano. That's okay. it. And if you want to connect with me, just go to, um, losing, losing my train here, uh, go to the midlifewhisper.com and there will be show replays on there as well. You can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. We'll have this up on YouTube eventually. I have a wonderful free gift for you. 10 tips to rock your midlife. I have to have both of you on and I want to meet both of you. So with things opening up, you have so inspired me to white water raft and I would love to go to one of your teachings or retreats, Aura. So thank you both so much for being on the show. This has been an absolute delight and just feel so inspired for my first show. And I'm so glad that I jumped off and did this just to have met both of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So great to meet both of you too. Thank you, Ellen. Pleasure to meet you both. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next week on Rock Your Midlife. Thanks for listening to Rock Your Midlife. We hope this episode has helped you get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week and go rock your midlife.